0: Thank you for checking out the River's Edge Church podcast. We believe that no matter where you have come from or what you have come out of, today can be a life-changing day. Church should not be an obligation to endure each week, but rather a place to look forward to, a place where we can come together in community to grow in our lives. So join us today as we expect something good from our amazing God. Glad you're with us this morning. And so all month long we're gonna be talking about the series hands and feet. And so I want to jump in this morning in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. Um, if you've got your smartphone, you can get it out. If you have your Bible and you have your physical Bible, I'm gonna ask you to underline three words as we go into this passage this morning. But Mark 6, 7 through 13, it says, And he called the 12 to himself, that's the disciples and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And he commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Who'd want to do that anyway, right? Who wants to double up? Two shirts, two pants, two shoes? No, thank you. Also he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, Stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake the dust um, under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent, and they cast out demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that it's written to us so that we can grow and we can mature into everything that you have for us. And Father, I ask you to anoint my lips this morning. Father, that what I will speak this morning is not my heart, but your heart for your people. And Father, I declare this morning that our hearts and our ears, they're open. We're ready to receive all that you have for us in Jesus' name. I have to admit that um, sometimes I stand amazed at my childhood. Uh, my childhood uh, was very interesting, and uh, I've had some pretty crazy experiences. And as preparing this message, the Lord reminded me of of something that happened when I was about seventeen years old. Um, my dad had an had an apple orchard at the time, and there had been some heavy rain, and not far from where my dad's orchard was. There was uh, a ravine, and the, the rain came rushing down the ravine, and it brought all this topsoil with it, and it covered a portion of Hill Road between Weezer and Payette. And I'll never forget my dad saying, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the neighbors, the people who are the neighbors to our orchard, and borrow their dump truck. They were the Durham family. The Durham was, they had orchards right next to us. Dad goes, Bo- go borrow the Durham's dump truck and I want you to drive it up the road to the ravine, and I've taken the tractor up there with the front loader on it, and I want you to load that dump truck full of dirt, drive it back down, and dump it in this ravine on our property so we can fill this in, and and just do it until the ravine's full. I'm like, okay, have you lost your mind? What 17-year-old has driven a dump truck? And I had never driven a front loader, right? Sure, I've driven tractors, but I'd never driven a front loader. And so he sends me to go do this thing. And you know what? I did it. And uh, funny story. So, uh, about my sixth or seventh load of, of of soil, it's it's getting wet, and you know, I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. And so as I was putting it in the dump truck, it was compacting, and it was starting to stick to the sides of the dump truck. And so I went and I back this dump truck up to the ravine and, and, and you had to get out of the dump truck and there's a, a lever that ran the hydraulics for the, for the bed of the dump truck to go up. So the bed of the dump truck starts going up and so does the rest of the truck because the soil wasn't coming out and I stood that dump truck up on end. Guess what I got to do? Dad, we have a problem, right? But you know what? My dad sent me out to do that And as I look back, I'm like, what was he thinking? He was crazy to do that. You know, he could have done it faster and better than I could have. But he still sent me. He still sent me. And I was just a kid. I mean, I love my son, Zach. But I'm not so sure I would have done that with him at 17. (laughs) Sasco, no, you wouldn't have. Yeah, probably for good reason. But... Anyway, it's a joke. Lighten up, people. Um, But I wonder if that's how the disciples felt when he sent them out. Jesus, are you crazy? Are you crazy? You're the healer, you're the demon caster outer. And (laughs) I know it's not good English, but that, you know, they had to be thinking, what are you doing? Us? You're, you're, sending, you're sending us out? You're, you're sending us out? I mean, we've just been hanging out with you a little while. We're your disciples. You're, you're the Messiah. You're the healer. You're the one, and you're sending us? You're sending us? I'll tell you that I know that for me at times I feel that way. I'm like, Jesus, why would you send me? Really? I mean, Me? I mean, I'll never forget when we stepped into youth ministry for the first time. I'm like, I won, I was old, right? All the youth pastors were in their 20s. We were in our 30s. Janice going, you were in your 30s. You know, and for a youth pastor, I was old as dirt. And then he tells us to move to Boise and, and, and start a church. And I'm like, really, Jesus? I mean, me? Have you, have you ever felt that way? Like like God puts something on your heart for you to do, and you're like jesus it's it's me here it's it it's me' it's just I wonder what it was like being one of those disciples, right? You've seen Jesus doing things you've never seen done. And then he looks at you and your 11 buddies. He says, come here. This is the plan. You are going to go out and you're going to cast out demons and you're going to heal the sick. I mean, think about that for a minute. They must have been freaking out. But you know what? They went. And you know what's amazing? They had some pretty incredible results. In fact, it says later in Mark, and the same parallel is also found in Matthew. I think it's chapter 13. They come back, and they tell Jesus, Jesus, we're healing the sick. We we did this. We healed this person, and this happened. We cast out this demon. They came back, and they told them the stories of the things that they did. They only did them because they went. They only did them because they went. What if they hadn't went? What if they hadn't gone? What if they had just no 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 Jesus, this is just this is just us. It's us the disciples. See, I want you to go back to that first verse in Mark. And these are the three words I want you to underline in Mark seven. It says, and he called, underline that word called. And he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out. I want you to underline the word send. Send them two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. I want you to underline the word power. See, Jesus called them, he sent them, and he empowered them. Can I tell you, church, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've decided that you're going to be a follower of Jesus, guess what? He called you. He called you. There's this whole thing that people say, oh, I found Jesus. No, you didn't. He didn't find Jesus. Jesus. It's not hide-and-seek, right? He's not hiding, you know, okay, one, two, remember how we used to do that as kids? Three, and you get to 20, and then we'd all run and try to find, you know, whoever, you know. It's been a long time since I played hide-and-seek, apparently. I can't even explain it. Everybody hides, one person seeks, right? Yeah. I wasn't very good at a lot of things as a kid. Thank you. Yeah. Don't give me flashbacks, please. But, you know, there's a part of this that I think that we've confused. And this is the part that I think we've confused. I think we've confused the fact that he called us for us. And and I I think it's a problem. I don't think it's a problem everywhere in the world, but I think it's a problem in America where we think he called us for us. That that he called us for our benefit and our benefit alone. And you know, that's not Bible. It's not Bible. Now, don't get me wrong. Man, there's a lot of benefits to following Jesus. I mean, there's more promises in your Bible than there are requirements. People have that all backwards, too. They get so wrapped up on all the requirements and they ignore all the benefits and the blessings, all the promises. We mess things up. But this is one of the places where we mess things up because we think that, well, Jesus called me and it's now all about me. Can I just tell you, it's not all about you. He didn't call you just for you. It's not all all about me. Listen to this in 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 through 9. It says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. Can I tell you, you've been called with a purpose, when, when God called you, when Jesus picked you, when He said, "I want that one," and you responded to it, He did it because there's a purpose for you. Yeah. And we need to realize that. So many times we just think, "Oh well, your know, pastor has a purpose, and maybe Savannah has a purpose because she's on the platform and the worship team. They have a purpose, and M and the youth staff they have a purpose." Because you know what? We all have a purpose. And actually, the purpose of those who lead in the church, are to equip those who are in the church to do the work of the ministry. Everybody thinks it's pastor's job to pray for everybody. It's not my job to pray for everybody. Whose job it is, it's your job. Just saying. You're the one that's supposed to be ministering. Not just us, not just me. Can I tell you, the world's a lot bigger than me. Or a few leaders. For the whole world to be touched and reached, it takes everybody. And God called you with a purpose because you have a sphere of influence that you can affect that nobody else can affect. There are people in your life that need you and what God's placed in you that only you can do. Like, Allie, can I pick on you for a minute? You're out of camera, so you're not on camera or anything, but you all can see her. This woman has a heart for people. And she has an ability to love people that most people can't love. And to serve people that most people can't serve. See, she was called with a purpose to impact those people's lives. And she does it with so much grace. And she just, it just comes out of her. The compassion and the love and the care for those people. And you know what? I, I'll be honest. I'm like, yeah, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do what you do. But I'm so glad that you can. I'm so glad that you can. I'm so glad that you have that heart. It's just amazing. But it's not me. It's not me. See, we all have a purpose. We've all been saved a purpose and and the purpose is greater than us our salvation ultimately isn't about us although it's really good but our salvation is about those that we can potentially touch and the purpose that he wants to work through you and me see if he's called you he's sending you If he's called you, he's sending you. So if you're sitting here and you'd say, yes, I love Jesus and I'm a follower of Jesus, guess what? He's not only called you into that relationship, he's got a purpose that he's sending you into. He is sending you. Galatians 5, 13 through 14 says this. It says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Another word for that word of liberty is freedom. You've been set free of your old life. Only do not use your liberty or your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, or in other words, your selfishness, your selfish desires. But through love, serve one another. For the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, we've been called so that he could send us to love others. We've been set free not to use that freedom for ourselves. We've been set free so that we can use the freedom that we now have to serve others in love. You know, that's what he did with the disciples. Why would Jesus send the disciples out to heal people? Because Jesus loves people. Jesus loves people so much that he'd use you to reach the people in your world, to love them, to love them, to serve them, to be a blessing to them. And and can I just be honest? (laughs) It's kind of hard for me because I'm selfish. I don't know if anybody else is selfish, but I'm selfish, (laughs) right? When I wake up in the morning, my first thought's usually about me. And when I go to bed at night, my last thought is usually about me. Anybody else in here like that that wants to admit it? Yeah. But I'm selfish. And can I be honest? I don't always want to serve other people. I don't always want to love other people. And that's just reality. I mean, oh, we're doing, we're doing Premarital counseling with this couple recently, and uh, I challenged them. It's something that I never thought of this before until the, the last couple of couples that I I uh, done premarital counseling with, and I just felt like the Lord said, you know, challenge them to find a scripture for their marriage and for their spouse as they launch into their married life together. And so I would challenged this this couple to do this. And we got together for our last session, I asked him, okay, share the scripture that the Lord's given you. And I can't remember the verse that, that the guy picked, but he looked at his soon-to-be bride, and he told her that, you know what, I want to sacrifice my needs and my wants to make sure that your dreams and your desires come to pass. I want to spend my life serving you. In my back of my head, I'm going, thanks, buddy, because Janet and I were together, so she heard that too. <laughs> and I'm going, you just ruined my life. Because <laughs> at our house, it's all about me. But I thought, dang, what a right heart. that He desires to serve his wife and I think of how many times I've copped an attitude and it's late, do I have to take out the trash, yes it will smell up the kitchen but I don't want to it's cold out there <laughs> right or can you run this errand for me, yeah maybe just being honest I'm selfish I'm selfish and sometimes I don't like it But after he said that, I'm like, "Okay, you got to work on this," and I've been trying. I don't know if Chance noticed, but I've been trying. (laughs) But she hasn't noticed. Maybe it's a sign I need to try harder. But you know what? I'm selfish. But you know another reason why I think that—that I don't do things that I feel like Jesus wants me to do sometimes—is because it makes me uncomfortable just makes me uncomfortable. I I don't like to be uncomfortable. Tim's known me for the majority of my life. And if there's anybody that knows better than anything, I don't like to be uncomfortable. In fact, I will avoid the world. I'm not kidding. So I don't have to be uncomfortable. It's one of the things a friend will point out to you. And he's pointed it out to me a lot of times. I'm starting to listen. (laughs) He's, he laughed because he's seen it for a long time. Things that make me uncomfortable, I don't want to do it. There's certain things that you know, I, I'll give you a perfect example. Every once in a while i have somebody go, hey pastor, I've got this friend or this relative that's in the hospital and they're really sick and they, they don't know if they're going to make it. Would you go to the hospital and see them? Sure. And on the inside of me, I'm going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. Because it makes me uncomfortable. Walking into a hospital room, you don't know the spiritual state of someone. You don't know if they're going to be excited that a pastor walked in or not. You don't know anything about them. You don't know how to encourage them. You don't know what to say. My tendency in those kinds of situations where I don't know what to do, I don't know what to say, is not do it at all. But when you tell somebody, yes, I'll go, you're stuck. Because they're going to find out, did you go? (laughs) And I think I'm not the only person that's like that. God puts things in our hearts, or he gives us opportunities, and, and we look at the opportunities that he's given us, or... We find ourselves in situations that we know we're supposed to step into, and we don't want to do it because it's uncomfortable. And and we let that uncomfortableness keep us from doing something. And do you know why we're uncomfortable? We're uncomfortable because we've forgotten something. And you know what we've forgotten? That if he's called us, he sent us. And if he sent us, he's empowered us. If he sent us, he's empowered us. My family, if you're watching online or you listen to this podcast, this is a disclaimer. I'm going to talk about us for a minute. Some of you know my aunt's been very ill. And my mom told my aunt, Jason's going to come visit you in the hospital. Thanks, Mom. She didn't know it's one of the things that makes me the most uncomfortable. But this is family. This is what family does. Family steps into uncomfortable things together. So, the morning that I was supposed to go, you know what I did? I got on my face before Jesus. I mean, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? God, what am I going to find? You know what happened? He said, You're gonna say this, and this is what you're gonna do. And this is what's gonna happen. He even gave me a scripture to encourage her, and my uncle with. And so I walked in bold. And it was great. He was great. And I walked out, and I got in the elevator of the hospital after being there, and I'm like. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Well, why wasn't that bad? Because I didn't do it in me. I realized that if he's sending me, he's empowering me. Can I tell you, some of you, there's some desires in your heart. There's some things that you see, and it bothers you. And you're like, i got to do something about this. But you're afraid to do it. And the reason why you're afraid to do it is because you think you got to do it in you. But Jesus never called you to do it in you. He said, you're going to go, and by the way, take my power and my authority with you. He sent them out in their authority. See, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 tells it this way. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You know what that treasure is that's in earthen vessels? That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And can I just tweak your mind for a minute? That if you're a born-again follower of Jesus, you've been regenerated by the Spirit. That's what the Bible tells us. And his presence has come to dwell in you. You are the earthen vessels. And the treasure that is in you is the presence of God himself. But so many of us, we go through life and we don't even think about the fact that God is in us. And so we never put our demand on it. We think it's all about us and our strength and our ability and our wisdom and our intelligence. Can I just tell you, I'm not that smart. I'm not that quick. I'm not that brilliant. I'm not that talented. I'm not that gifted. But there's a God that dwells in me. That's greater than anyone on this planet. And that same God dwells in you. He dwells in you. So put a demand on what he's placed on the inside of you. See, don't let that uncomfortableness of what he's burdened your heart with keep you out of what you're called to do. Don't let him keep you out. Andrea, I don't usually do this, but I just want to tell you, there's something that's stirring on the inside of you You're seeing some things, and you want to move, and you want to do something about it, but you don't think you have the stuff to do it. But you know what? You don't have to, because he's got the stuff to do it. He's got the stuff to do it, and he wants to use you. He wants to use you, and yes, it's uncomfortable, but as you step out and you trust him, you're going to see some amazing things, because you trust him because you trust Him. He's brought you a long way. But He brought you a long way, just not for you. There's others. that He's going to use you to impact. Trust Him. He's got you. Amen? Jesus is never going to ask you to do something without giving you his delegated authority and power. In fact, that that word that that we see here in verse 7 that he gave them power, that's actually if you study that out, it's delegated influence or authority. He's giving you what it takes to do what he's asking you to do. He's he's given it to you. See, Too often, when he asks us to do something, the first thing we do is we look at our ability instead of looking to his ability. We look at our ability instead of looking to his ability. Man, can I just tell you, for most of us, our ability is not going to get us very far. But his ability can get us a long ways. A long ways. I wonder when was the last time that that God made you squirm a little. That, That he put something on your heart. He let you see something, and it made you squirm a little. See, I think we've become too focused on being comfortable and not letting Jesus make us squirm. Can I tell you? Jesus likes to make you squirm because he sees what you're capable of with him. And he wants to make you squirm. Why? Because there's somebody on the other side of your squirm. Do you know what I'm saying? See, so many times he impresses us with something, he tells us to do something and the squirm makes us not do it and do you know what that's called? Disobedience. We choose disobedience. I'll never forget years ago there's this guy in Tulsa, Oklahoma his name's Bill Shear, ex-football player big guy and uh he pastors a church called Guts Church. Who, who names a church Guts Church? Somebody's got guts, I guess. I don't know. And I'll never forget there was a time that he was telling a story that he'd come out of this store and there's all these bikers with their Harleys and everything just out before him, a sea of them. And he's walking by him and I don't know about you, You go by a group of bikers. That's a little intimidating, right? Can I get that? Yeah, a little intimidating. And he's walking past them. And it's like the biggest guy out of all the bikers in the middle of the group. God says, go tell him that Jesus loves him. And then tell him what I give you to say. He's like, what? One guy, see you bikers. So he walks up to the guy and he tells him, Dude, this can sound really crazy to you, but I really believe that God wanted me to tell you something, and that's that Jesus loves you. He's not forgotten about you, and he loves you. And this great, big, burly biker starts to cry. God have been trying to get him for a long time. And this he leads this big burly biker to Jesus right there. All these guys are starting their bikes, riding off, and he's having a moment with this guy crying, leads him to Jesus right there. And I heard that. And I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. Right? You know, because that's a that's a that's a front step of Moses' house kind of story you can tell in heaven. Right? You know? Moses is telling you about, yeah, man, I stood down Pharaoh, it was the coolest thing ever. You know, part of the Red Sea to stuck my rod in there, we went across. It was awesome. Yeah, well, Moses, did, did you hear the one about the time that I faced down a whole bunch of bikers and led a biker to the Lord? No, I want to hear that one. So I don't know about you. I want some I want some heaven stories. I want some stories when I get to heaven, I don't have to go, I can't talk to Moses, right? I can't talk to David, right? I can't talk to Peter, you know, because I don't have any stories. I don't want to be the guy with no stories. I want to be the guy who can pull up and hold his own. And maybe you're like that. Maybe you want some Jesus stories. That when you get to heaven, you can sit on the front porch of Moses and go, "Oh, God, Moses, I got one for you." But guess what? You're never gonna have any of those stories unless you push through the squirm, unless you push through that that uncomfortable feeling that you get when he tells you, "I need you to go do this." You're not gonna have those stories. See, Jesus has called you, and I'm assured that if he's called you, he's sending you. And he's sending you, really, our only choice is to obey. But as we obey, we step out, and we get to experience his power. We get to see him show up, and we get the story. Because ultimately, what Moses did wasn't about Moses. He just got the story. What Peter did wasn't about Peter, but Peter gets the story. God's got a story for each and every one of us. But we've got to push past that place of being uncomfortable and saying, okay, Jesus, I will obey and then expect his power to be there and do what he's calling us to do. And when we do that, we get got to step back and go, oh, let me tell you one. See, so many people want to see the miraculous, but they never put themselves in a place where they need the miraculous. So many people want to have a good story. They want to have a good testament. They want to be able to tell people, oh, this happened and that happened. I had this experience. But you're never going to have it until you actually step out and do something. See, the disciples, I love this. And you actually, I think it's in Matthew that you see this. I don't know if it's in Mark 16 here. Zach and I were talking about it yesterday. But in Matthew's account of the same story, in a transition of about eight verses, it says that Jesus called his disciples to himself and sent them out. And eight verses later, do you know what it says? It says the apostles returned to Jesus and told him what they had done. Jesus sent out disciples, they came back Apostles. See, there's something that happens in us when we obey and we allow ourselves to be sent out. We go out and we do what Jesus tells us to do. It not only changes them, it changes us. And a lot of people are bored in their Christianity and they're bored in their faith and they're bored in their life. And they're bored because they won't do what Jesus is telling them to do. Because he wants to change you. He not only has called you, he's not only sending you, he's not only empowered you, but he desires to change you. And you will be changed when you put a demand on what he's placed in you and what he's burdened your heart with, and you go out and you do it. Imagine if the whole church was that way. I'm not talking just us. I'm talking if every person that calls them a follower of Jesus in every church was actually obedient to do what Jesus told him to do. Can you imagine the change that would happen in the church, in the world, and the lives that be changed and transformed? See, Jesus wants you to be his hands and feet. And you need to know that if he's called you, he's sent you. But if He sent you, he's empowered you. And when you obey, not only change lives that you touch, but through it, Jesus will change you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have called each and every one of us. Thank you for checking out today's podcast. If you would like any further information about Rivers Edge Church, please visit our website at visitriversedge.com or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you for listening.